0: A Lone Star 187 is intended for a mature audience. Listener discretion is advised.
1: Case File 39 Mary Williams Richardson.
0: I'm Brittany. I'm Carrie, and, and we're Lone Star 187. Two sisters. One crime. In Texas only. So December 20, no, December 18th, 2020. Yep. We're driving around. We decided to go look at Christmas
1: lights. We- Actually, no, wait, it was different. We're at home. Yes. And we're deciding where we're going to start our Christmas light watch.
0: Yes, because we always like to go look at Christmas lights. And because we, we ain't fancy, you know, we're just middle of the road people. We don't live in big, lavish homes, so we like to go look at Christmas lights where the big, lavish homes are. Fact. So I'm like, wouldn't it be awesome if like we found a murder house that was in an expensive area and we could like do a live Christmas edition? And Sister's like, hold that thought. Let me just Google it.
1: Get on the old Googs, And I Google murder house in Dallas because we were going to be in that general vicinity looking at lights. And I found this one. So we went live in front of this house. Mm -hmm. So hopefully you didn't googs. You didn't hit the old Googler and get the answer to the question already.
0: Well, the good thing is, is they didn't know what street we were on. And I think you could see the actual address. True. So if you didn't see our live, you can go back and watch it where we did. Our whole family was with us. (laughs) And um, (laughs) my son decided to replace the word murder with oofed. Oh, that's right. She She's got like, oofed. Mommy, can you just say somebody got oofed there <laughs> instead of murdered? What kind of aunt and
1: mom are we that we like talk about what happened in that
0: house? Well, apparently my child's teacher listens to us, so it can't okay. be. Okay, that's good. <laughs> can't be that, that, helps. that
1: helps a lot. That helps a lot. Okay, so let's just get right into it. All right, so this. So we're
0: not that far. We're in Dallas, right? right we're in we're Dallas. Driving in Dallas, okay. Um, and the
1: neighborhood where this happened. Is University Park, so the houses are very
0: nice, very, very nice, very big, very fancy. They want everybody to see all their stuff, Mm -hmm. no blinds. Most of them have no shame. You can just see right, although
1: this one did have blinds and stuff, you really couldn't see into it. I mean, I know that it was dark, so it was kind of hard, but we have an upscale neighborhood couple living in this house, University Park. The couple's name is Mary Williams Richardson and Patrick Timothy Richardson uh they were married in 86 they have three children usual the neighbors are like we didn't suspect any problems we rarely saw them together but you know just seemed like normal stuff they were the perfect couple well no one said that (laughs) i didn't see that anywhere okay but they didn't obviously you wouldn't ever suspect what we're going to tell you mary was a member of the genesis women's shelter auxiliary group jesus who can say that uh, this group, the group that she worked for would help fund fundraising for children's birthday parties and other activities for the kids. Because this shelter is for women that like have to leave in the middle of the night. Oh, wow. And usually they can't take any of their shit with them. They're just like, this asshole's gone. We're going to get the hell out of here while we can. Right. So you never know what kind of situation they're going to, what they're going to have or not have when they show up.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and then the husband, Tim, was um, a certified public accountant. And they had three children, one daughter and two sons. Uh, The daughter at the time was eight. The two boys were five and six. So Mm. it's Mary Beth, Patrick, and John Robert. So they Mm. had this little family there. Very
0: upscale type names, too. In
1: Dallas. In
0: Highland Park. In Highland Park.
1: University Park. Oh. Highland Park is another upscale, but it's in a different location. Okay. We're in September of 1999. Why, again, is it in the summer? But that's just how it is, right? Yep. People are frustrated. Well, it's by hot. this point,
0: it's been hot for a long damn time. Mm-hmm. Like, we're ready for fall. People are ready for it to Us be. Us in Texas, like, I know people up north, like, they're already seeing snow. Here in Texas, we're still seeing 80, 90 degree weather. It's Actually,
1: chance. in September, it's still sometimes up around 100. Yeah.
0: So, we are we don't get to see fall till like,
1: November. Because think about when we go on Labor Day vacation. Oh, that's true. It's, it's hot. It's still hot and we're still sitting around the fire. We don't yeah. give a shit. So, so, it's a Sunday around noon. A 911 call comes in. And it's a little girl who's only eight years old. Oh. And I could not find the 911 call. Later in the story, during the trial, you get to hear some of what the dispatcher heard in the mm-hmm. background. But we'll save that for later. So just know that the eight-year-old little girl is the one that called 911.
0: She's just letting them know there's a cat in the tree, right?
1: No. So the little girl calls 911 because um, her dad is attacking her mom. So he gets arrested. They arrest him on the scene because mm-hmm. it's very obvious. By the the situation that they saw, it was very obvious. He did it. He was dripping with blood. He was on top of her and very... On top of who? On, uh, on top of the wife. Mm-hmm. Okay. He was calm. He wasn't crying. He wasn't trembling. He was just there and was very surprised that they were there. Almost like he wasn't prepared that... Or he just was in a state that was not like a not really panic state, but maybe shock. Maybe he was in shock.
0: Maybe he was re- realizing what all was really happening. Maybe the reality was setting so they, in. They carted him off to jail, they arrested him. So he
1: was released on. So, how much do you think the bail for this kind of thing would be? He, he murdered his wife um, in front of his children. His children were there when it happened, obviously, because a little girl called 911. Don't you think the bond would be set? Pretty high.
0: I don't think he should be set on, on okay. bond. Because I don't think that he because at that point, if he is so daring to murder his wife in front of his children, what would he do to a stranger right. in the middle of a store, you know? Well, initially the bond was set at um two hundred and fifty thousand
1: dollars. Oh my gosh. So a judge reduced it to thirty thousand dollars. Reduced it so he was able to pay three thousand dollars And post Because
0: he's probably, that's like chump change. He lives in University Park. Mm -hmm.
1: So the 911 came in. The little girl said, you know, my dad stabbed my mom. Um, When officers arrived, they found the victim with extensive wounds to her neck. And she was very obviously dead. Was attacked with a lamp, cord, and scissors. God, a scissors? Her neck was cut so badly that her head was nearly severed. With scissors? Yes.
0: Oh my God.
1: Um, She was stabbed in the upper right arm. The cop said Um, he, the husband had um, blood all over him. He didn't, I said already he didn't respond um, and he looked surprised. Um, He wasn't crying, shaking or trembling. So they arrested him. What he tells them is that his wife had asked, she had filed for divorce eight days before, 10 days before this happened Mm -hmm. and had asked him to move out on this Sunday. So he was supposed to move out and they'd been married for 13 years. Um, and there were no previous records of police responding to domestic violence at their house.
0: So this was uncommon to there to be any kind of physical mm-hmm. altercation. Okay. Mm-hmm.
1: Cops were not called to that house on a regular basis. So it was all very
0: shocking mm-hmm.
1: besides the obvious what happened to her. The cop said, obviously what happened to Mary was tragic. But the worst thing I can think of right now is how this is going to impact the impact the children, mm-hmm. right? And like we said earlier, Mary was on lots of charitable groups. She was a member of the Junior League of Dallas and the Children's Medical Auxiliary. This was the first homicide of the year in this area, which normally averages one killing every two years. Mm. All right. So he's arrested. And remember, they reduced his bond. Mm-hmm. So on the 22nd, so it's a couple of days later, the family and the community were like, you need to raise his bail. It needs to be at least two million. This is bullshit. Thirty thousand mm-hmm. dollars. Um, the judge that lowered it, his name is Ed King. Um, he reduced it from 250 to 30, from two hundred fifty thousand
0: to Did 30. You, what was his name? Ed King. Ed Gein? No, not Gein. Because <laughs> I could see him doing that. Of course, because he would actually he'd be like, you know what? Just <laughs> he'd be like, just you know what,
1: just, just go ahead and next time flee the country. Do you know? a better job. Yeah. <laughs> You're an idiot. Like if you want me to show you how to do it, let me show you how to do it. Um, No, Ed King, K-I-N-G. The prosecutors presented no witnesses that indicated he was a flight risk or posed a threat to his children or his wife's family. What? He said, this is what he said. Bail is not an instrument of oppression to keep someone locked up. I do not make judgments based on what the papers say. I
0: make judgments on what someone says in the courtroom. Oh, so you don't go by evidence; you go by hearsay.
1: You well, no. He's just saying that he's not going to go by that. He's going to go by what is said in the courtroom.
0: What? Right. What is said? What hearsay he's given? Not what. Well, it may on, not be
1: hearsay, but, but whatever is said,
0: because it's not. There's no evidence. It's just somebody saying it. Okay. Right. I guess you could see it that I way. I mean, if you, I'm if, thinking whatever evidence. Okay. The things that the
1: prosecutors are presenting mm-hmm. for why they think it should be high or low, there just wasn't. It wasn't, in his opinion, it wasn't sufficient to make it. Even as, as high it the
0: t- act of him murdering his wife with scissors and a lamp cord. Well,
1: he's the judge is trying to make it sound like, well, he did do these horrific things to his wife. It was a one time thing, and he wouldn't do that to his children or h- or anyone else in his family. But like, you wait till later on,
0: and you would this you, did you know that by not even knowing the guy? Okay, yeah, exactly.
1: And of course, they made sure that Richardson had to wear he had to wear an electronic monitor to keep him. To make sure he wasn't going to go anywhere, and then he was not allowed to contact his children at all.
0: But he's not a threat to them, so why can't he? That's a good question. Yeah. Mr. King. Yeah. Mr. King. Ed King. (laughs) This is Ed King ridiculous.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The county prosecutor, Cindy Dyer, said that Mary Richardson's family did not want to testify because they're preparing for her funeral, right? Uh, They decided they wanted to wait before they appear until the case was assigned to another court. They said, Don't blame due them. to judge, judge King's previous shocking reduction in bail, even though he has all the facts, he has the authority to raise the bail at any time, but he's not going to do that. I and feel like, if he did, it would help the family and the children feel a little bit safer, right?
0: Well, and I feel like, wouldn't it make more sense that certain crimes that are done, there's like a, there's like a mandated minimum. Like a base amount. Yeah, like if you are convicted of capital murder or first degree murder or what any kind of murder it's automatically set at like $500,000 well, and we it do, can be lower than that. But they do talk higher. about that later. Okay, That there is a little bit of an expectation mm-hmm. and we'll get in that later. Cuz I feel like that's how people can pay the judges under the table or that's how mm-hmm. judges can be dirty, right? But if the law says you can't go below this, then at least it protects from judges being dirty.
1: Yep. Or you hope so
0: anyway, yeah, right? That's true. Um the cop that was at the
1: scene said um is, or as soon as the case is assigned to a different judge, the issue of bail will resurface. So it's not going away. It's going to come back. Um, and he did say in his opinion that it's very, very low. And he said, my investigators and I were very upset.
0: Because mm-hmm. um, they're the ones that walked in, right? Yeah, they, they saw, saw this it. woman and then they saw their children witness. And then, see then the what husband
1: they seemingly completely unaffected by what he had just done. Um, one of the ladies that worked at the women's shelter said that, that this is going to send a really bad message about domestic violence because reducing the bond so low sends a message that it's really not that serious of a crime. Right. Mm -hmm. And isn't it kind of ironic that his wife was really involved with the shelter and then she ended up dying the way she did. Isn't that crazy?
0: Well, and like, that's so sad how, that's how women stay, why women stay in battered situations when they don't have family or friends because the, the only other person they have is the law. And when this is the law, they don't feel like they have anyone. Mm-hmm. And they can't make sure, because any mother is not going to make a choice unless it's going to help their children. Right. So if they don't feel like they're going to be safe, they're not going to go to the law if they can be out with $3,000.
1: Exactly. And how do you know? There's no proof that he's not going to try to hurt somebody else in the family or try to hurt his kids or get in another relationship and hurt her too. Like, mm-hmm. you don't know. Like, right. This guy could be a ticking time bomb, right? Mm-hmm. Um. But there wasn't a... a defense attorney George Milner that said bond for non-capital murder suspects typically ranges from 25 grand to hundred grand. So he's saying that there's nothing unreasonable, unreasonable about the $30,000 bond. Um, and this defense lawyer had no connection to the case point was that this guy's a local resident, probably with no criminal history, he's professionally employed, and the the true probability of him skipping is probably zero. Crime usually range the bond is usually 25 to 100,000. So it sounds like 1 to 2 mil is a little high, and maybe it was because the family was so distraught by what what happened that they and I would have been the same way. Mm-hmm. Like Don't set a bell. Make his ass sit in jail until Mm -hmm. we figure out what the hell's going on.
0: Right. And and because it's out of character, it's even more reason to not let him out. And keep him back. Because what's wrong with him? Even
1: if you do it just for the children. Yeah. Because can you imagine how traumatizing that would be for them to know that their daddy is out there somewhere? Mm -hmm. How are they going to... I mean, they're already traumatized by what they saw. Now they got to worry about that their dad may come home and do that to them because you know that's what they're thinking. Of course, yeah. I mean, I know they're little, but eight, five, and six, that's old enough to see what's going on and mm-hmm. comprehend it in some form or fashion. Yeah,
0: yeah, especially for the eight-year-old to call 911. She knew that her mom was in pain and hurting and needed help. Yeah. You know? Yeah. we I need mean, to understand that they're not playing. This isn't fun. This isn't a game. This is bad. Mm-hmm. Really bad.
1: So on the 24th, Richardson turned himself in because a different judge raised his bond from 30000 to $1 million. Amen. And he was booked into Lou Starrett Justice Center. Yes, ma'am. The judge that did this is Judge Henry Wade. And he agreed with the, the prosecutors that the current bail was insufficient. He said after considering the facts of the case, the defendant's finances and risk of flight and the potential dangers to the children and the rest of Mary's family... It was obvious that he had to do it. Um, I,
0: I think the financial has to be put into perspective. Too, absolutely, because he know? has
1: the means in which to GTFO.
0: Right, absolutely.
1: And you can't tell me that he didn't consider it. Yeah. Um, he said the victim's family is terrified and, uh, of the defendant, and they believe that each of them is in danger because Richardson blamed his Mary's family for the divorce, that for the fact that she wanted to leave him. Mm-hmm. Even though it's not really their fault, that's who he was blaming. So why wouldn't he want to try to hurt them if right because
0: if he didn't blame her and he cut her head off what did he's gonna what is he exactly. gonna do? exactly
1: university park police asked to have at least 24 hours notice of richardson posting bail so they could let mary's family be prepared and figure out what to do with themselves and the children some kind of safety i mean i feel like even if he if he's out they're going to be scared so of course yeah. maybe they were going to go somewhere anyway But so in the meantime, Richardson's lawyer filed a motion to have the judge Wade recused because he said he was biased. It claims that the judge's wife, her name is Kristen, who was also a judge, knew the victim, attended her funeral, that because of that, persuaded her husband to raise this bill to a million dollars. And the judge was like, I'm not going to do it. He said, my wife and Mary were acquaintances, but not good friends. He said, I refuse to step down. It's bullshit. Not going to do it. It's
0: not like he said... I'm raising it because I just think that it's wrong. He had verified reasonable justifications on why he wanted to raise it. And none of them had to do with his wife.
1: No. And I am sure that he was under a tremendous amount of pressure from the community mm-hmm. that has a lot of money. I'm sure they were like, better do it. Yeah, if you want to stay shit at the This ain't going to work
0: out. Be yeah. yeah.
1: No. We ain't. This and we've got the means in which to... Persuade you. Yeah. <laughs> One way or the other. <laughs> yeah. Right? The case goes to trial and the grand jury is trying to decide if they're going to indict him. And that happens in October of 1999. Ironically, October is also domestic violence awareness month.
0: Wow, they give me chills.
1: Yeah. So there's a a write-up in the newspaper um, talking about our friend, piece of shit, Patrick Timothy Richardson. And there's another asshole they talk about. Named Jimmy Dean Watkins. He's a story for another time. But evidently, around this time, between September and the end of 1999, there were several occurrences of this. It was this guy, this Jimmy Dean Watkins, and in less than a year, that Bataglia guy that killed his children. Remember the guy in the in the Dallas loft?
0: Oh, the other one. Yes, yes, okay. Yeah.
1: So the other thing they were talking about is you know that this is a tragic situation but they other this guy Tim got a really light sentence um and it but the article did also say that Texas was in the forefront uh nationally in fixing the laws and law enforcement to take family violence more seriously. But then Texas is a state where punishment is preferred over rehabilitation, right? That's just how it is. Mm -hmm. So the focus is sentencing them as opposed to trying to help them get better, right? Mm -hmm. That's just how we are. So in November, he's indicted and, and charged with the death of his wife. So that's November of 99. So I don't, sometime between November and April, he bonds out. So April of 2000, while he's awaiting trial, uh, I think trial the trial was set to start in one week. He was arrested for trying to make arrangements to leave the country.
0: The no, guy that's not would,
1: a flight, he's not he a flight risk. Why, why would
0: why you would lie he, on that man?
1: Why would he do that?
0: I, yeah, I, I just don't know why he'd do that.
1: The DA's office said a travel agent, good on her, reported Richard, that Richardson was trying to exchange an American Airlines ticket for the, for another ticket to an unnamed overseas destination. They said he tried to disguise himself with glasses, so they arrested him at late at night um, at a Dallas hotel. It didn't say which one, it just said a Dallas hotel.
0: Not glasses, just glasses? Just glasses. Did he also have a black wig? I don't know, but wouldn't that be funny? <laughs> Like, I'm not even a woman anymore at this point. Like, when I put my glasses on, I don't look at myself, right? I take them off. Who am I? You, know you are not
1: fooling anyone. I know who you are, Brittany.
0: <laughs> can you? I can still see.
1: You are may you not sure? be able to see me.
0: Are my glasses clear? What's going on? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so a few days later,
1: the newspaper writes an article about the, the ticket agent. Her name is Kathy Wiley for being super observant enough to recognize him. She said, I admit it was a super tough decision because... I kept debating, what if it isn't him? If it's not him and I turn him in, he'll be humiliated. But then again, if I don't and it turns out to be him and he leaves the country, I would never forgive myself. No,
0: she'd have full regrets.
1: She said that he bought a ticket to London on April 19th using the name of Sheriff Robbie Wedeking. Sheriff? Yeah. But the sheriff was helped them farm land that belonged to the Richardson family. Richardson okay. family was so very, he, very...
0: This was like a real person thing. This is didn't a real, like make it up. No, no. This okay. is a
1: real person who did some work for the Richardson family. They have a giant ranch in Kerrville. Okay. So he did some work for them. So Richardson would have had access to his driver's license number because of mm. lease payments and stuff like that. So he leased some land and, and did some work on it. So he used this guy's name and ID or information to buy the ticket.
0: Did he put glasses on? He's like, no, I'm the sheriff. <laughs> what no. a
1: dumbass! You may
0: be confused because we look alike, but I have glasses,
1: so I'm yeah. sure. So I, I'm I'm really not Richardson. No. I am the sheriff. I'm just crapping you. Trust not. Trust me, crapping you negative. Let me just go to London, okay? <laughs> Um, Okay, so May of 2000, the jury deliberates for three days. The jury was seven women and five men. Hmm. They gave Richardson a 60-year sentence, for which he serves half before he can even become eligible for parole. Good. She was choked with an electrical cord. Her throat was slashed with scissors. You could hear people crying in the courtroom as Mary's mother, Beth, walked to the front of the courtroom to confront Richardson. Hmm. She gave him a cold, calculated... Look, she said, you and all those who aided and abetted you need to hear the children sobbing for their mother and crying. And she started crying and she said, I don't know what to do. She said, you also need to know that never once in all of these months have they asked for you at all. She said, only someone with a heart of darkness could do what you did, forcing them to witness such brutal savagery as they screamed for you to stop. Mm. You smashed their innocence. You tore away their childhood. You took from them what every child needs the most a selfless mother. So prosecutors were pushing for a life sentence saying he knowingly and intentionally committed first degree murder. But of course his attorneys are saying that he acted in sudden
0: passion, sudden passion because she wanted a divorce.
1: No, because they're saying that it wasn't anything that he premeditated or planned. It just happened because of something that would, something triggered him that night. So it wasn't something that he was planning on doing. It was sudden passion. Like if you go in and you see your spouse, Say they're cheating, and you walk in and you see them cheating. That there's a trigger, sudden passion. You do something bad, and it's a one. It's a something that triggered you. Okay, so that's their defense, though. That they said that he acted in sudden passion because having that as their their defense would lower the crime to a second de- degree felony. A
0: second what? A second degree
1: <laughs> felony. Okay. What did you think I said? A degree. A second degree felony. Um, at one point, the jury was deadlocked. Then the judge told him, nope, keep trying. We're not deadlocking this. You need to go back in there and figure it out. Mm-hmm. There was really only one juror that agreed with a sudden passion defense. Richard claimed that his wife provoked the attack because she told him to leave and use profanity in reference to a table that belonged to his mother. She then angrily, angrily turned the table upside down. He said her words, hit him below the belt. And so that constitutes... Cutting her head off that's, with a pair of scissors? That's what he thinks. Okay, then. Okay, so now we're going to go into testimony from the people, some of the people at the trial. And I got to tell you, some of this is difficult to hear. So Mike Shanley, who was a family friend, testified that on the day of the murder, he was he took his children over to the Richardson home about 1230. Now, remember this happened around noon. So he gets there and it's complete chaos. So a police officer approached him and said, hey, look, can you take the Richardson children home with you? Like they're, we can't really tell you what's going on. We just need to get them away. Him and his wife get their kids and take them with them instead of the other way around because his kids were supposed to stay there. Thank God they didn't get there. Already. Yeah. Oh my God. Can you imagine? Oh. So they get in the car and they're in the back talking to Shanley's kids.
0: This is so crazy. Like, wouldn't social services think, like, these kids need intense therapy? They need their grandparents. They need their aunts and well, uncles. Well, this, this had only
1: it had only been 30 minutes, sister. Oh, okay. So at this point, the cops are just trying to get the kids away. Oh, okay. That's fair. So, I mean, they eventually do... Okay. do that. But this, it's only been 30 minutes because see the 911 call comes in at 12 Mm -hmm. and this guy's there at 1230. So that's true. That's fair. The cops just wanted the kids away so they could like try to continue to figure out what the hell's going on. Um, So the kids are in the back of the car talking. He overheard one of the kids say to his son that his daddy jumped over the couch and that his daddy did it. Um, And Mike's wife said, no, your daddy didn't do it. The child stood up in the car and said, yes, he did it. And that I saw him do it. And then the little girl is like, no, it's okay. Daddy didn't do it. He was just trying to help her. It'll be okay. It'll be okay. So she's trying to console him. Mm -hmm. Kathy Marr, who was, this was the 911 operator that answered the the call. She said that um, she could hear commotion in the background and that she could hear someone saying, no, 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 daddy. Don't hurt me. Get off me. Help, help, get off me.
0: So he was trying to stop her from being on the phone with 911.
1: no. I'm sure that this was, no, no, was probably the wife.
0: Oh, I see. No, daddy
1: was one of the children trying to get him to stop. And then I'm sure the rest of these were Mary saying, don't hurt me, get off me, Mm -hmm. help, help, get off me.
0: I see, not the same person was saying
1: No, no, this was just what the operator could hear. I see. So I'm sure it's all different voices and chaotic. And so another... Person that testified, her name is Ann. She said she knew Mary from a school in Dallas that they went to together. She said on the day of the murder, um, her husband saw Richardson. He went to the 11 a.m. service at St. Michael's. She said around 1.15 or 1.20, her husband woke her up to tell her about the murder and said she needed to go check on the Richardson children. So she did, and they told him, no, we sent him with Mike Shanley so they're safe so she goes over to check on them goes to his house to check and at this point they're still talking about their mom and how there was blood everywhere and they they kept saying that their daddy did it and, and like, the sister's you, still like, continuing to say he didn't and just console them
0: like how and like you can't tell them like let's not talk about that anymore no you, know?
1: you want you just have to you let them
0: yeah and then like you're watching that that's so awful see that's what makes me mad well a bunch of stuff but mm-hmm. he didn't have to see all that Right. Like his actions, he didn't have to see his children tell their friends mm-hmm. in conversation when they should be talking about, you know, Clifford, the dog and, you know, Bob, the Builder, whatever
1: play they were going to the children's yeah. play or,
0: you know, what they're doing at school or sidewalk chalking. You know, mm-hmm. they're talking about how they watched their father murder their mother. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have to see that or have to go through that.
1: Or have to hear. And then
0: that. thank God for that family because those children are going to be scarred.
1: Well, I was going to say, and then the the kids that heard it are Mm -hmm. like, I'm sure that these, in a traumatizing way, it's Mm -hmm. not like it's a nonchalant conversation. They're just having like they would about sidewalk talk or something. I'm sure there's terror and panic in their voice and in their eyes and you I'm sure that you can't forget that I mean Mm -hmm. that would be something you would never forget I would think so Mary's brother Robert Williams testifies and he was saying that the relationships between Mary and the rest of her family um, all agreed that Richardson had no personality they said that he didn't interact with anybody and he said if I had known that that day was the day that he was supposed to move out I would have been at their house but I didn't know the next few get a little bit more graphic because it is the field agent that worked for the county medical examiner's office and the actual medical examiner so they go into great detail so the field off the field agent says when he got there around one thirty that mary's wounds were the most horrific throat wounds that he had ever seen he said he saw a lamp that was overturned and the cord was tangled in her hair he said the uh, that it that it was so tangled that when they took her body they had to take the lamp and the cord with it um he said there was an end table that was in the middle of the walkway it had blood under it and there were a photo of albums under it um he saw another table that was overturned and blocking the entrance to another room he found a pair of scissors with blood and hair on them and so he said based on everything that he saw there was an obvious struggle there was a fight and a struggle um another guy Nathan- nathaniel williams um he worked for mary on and off he was 16, and he had gone to that. There was a lot of traffic at the house that day. If you think about it, mm-hmm. like the Shanley came over, this guy came over, this kid was there to take some furniture to Mary that his, her mom had given her. So he said when he drove up, Tim asked him, you know, where are you going with that furniture? And then he said, don't bring any more of that furniture in here. And then he said, Tim asked him, hey, do you know Mary's divorcing me? And that it has to do with money. He said, look at this beautiful house. And she's still not happy. Nathaniel went on, went ahead and went into the house and took the furniture anyway. He said he only stayed for about 30 minutes, but that Tim never said anything else to him when he was there. But he did also say that Tim was usually a pretty quiet guy. So that Mm -hmm. wasn't out of the ordinary, but he said it was very, very awkward. Yeah. You could tell there was something brewing Mm -hmm. with him. So now the medical examiner testified she performed the autopsy she said the victim arrived with the lamp and its cord she ruled the death a homicide she said mary suffered many injuries with the major one being the deep cut to her neck she said the wound was gaping stretching from across the front of her neck traveling all the way behind her right ear to just in front of her left ear so basically all the way across
0: and if it's stretching, you know what that probably means. That He'd
1: probably stab, 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 stab. No, no. he
0: did it and no. drug it. He probably pushed her neck back, and then so that her skin was stretched. Oh, is that what that means? Mm-hmm. Oh. That's why. That's why it would be more gaping, and that's why she I would have that gaping. that stretched. The that skin stretched sense. when it's sliced.
1: She said it was that the wound measured seven and a half inches long.
0: Oh, because if you think about like your necks.
1: And that it gaped open to a maximum width of two and a half inches and was extremely deep. She said, in my opinion, at least four sawing motions and probably many more were required with the scissors to inflict this kind of wound. Um, she had other cuts and bruising that's consistent with strangulation.
0: Maybe he tried to strangle her first and she wasn't Maybe. working, so he got the scissors. Well, no, you'll figure. Oh, okay. You find out
1: later on why he has the scissors, but he, he was trying to strangle her. It's a little bit contradictory here because later on, the husband says that he pled guilty because he didn't want the kids to testify, but Patrick, the seven-year-old, testified. They they said, he said his mother was on the floor, his father was on top of her. He said his mom was asking, why are you doing this to me? And that his mom said to call 911. He said his father cut her neck with scissors that I gave him so he could cut the cord from her neck. So, the little boy gave daddy the scissors so he could cut the cord that he wrapped around the neck, but he ended up using the scissors as another weapon.
0: Mm, that little boy's gonna have guilt the rest of his life. How could you not? How could you not have guilt? I would have guilt.
1: I would too. And I guess he was the only one that testified because he gave him the scissors. I don't know. It doesn't, mm-hmm. nobody else, no, the daughter or the other son. So maybe just the oldest daughter and the seven-year-old saw it. Maybe the, the middle boy didn't, the youngest boy must have not, maybe he didn't see it. Maybe or maybe he was, she shielded him. Maybe. That. Or he was too scared and ran away. Maybe. It doesn't really say for sure where he was. So now they let Richardson get on the stand. He he pleaded guilty. He wasn't even trying to say that he didn't do I it. I don't give a <clears throat> flipping
0: yeah. F what he has He's to say. Piece of shit. He has a lot to say, well, actually. It's a bunch of malarkey, whatever it is. Because there's no reason for that. Yeah, I don't care how mad you are. No. He
1: said he pled guilty so his children would not have to testify. He said prior to the murder, he had a very good relationship with his children. He was very involved in their lives. He said he met Mary through her brother, who he went to college with, and that that he introduced them. Um, He said they had a 15-month courtship and a seven-month engagement. Um, He received an accounting degree from University of Texas at Richardson, and he was the president of the Dallas, Texas Exes in 1996. I don't really know what that is. Maybe that's some kind of alumni with UT Richardson. I don't know. I don't give a shit. He said he grew up in Houston. He loved his mother and father prior to his mother's death, which also happened in 1999. Hmm. He saw her six times a year. And he said during his marriage, his wife and kids never spent Christmas with his mother because it was important to Mary to spend Christmas Day with her family. He said his mother could sense that Mary, that she was imposing when she would come visit them in Dallas and that Mary would not interact with his mom. She wouldn't take her anywhere or do anything for her. Like she just felt like she was in the way. And he, he said that made him sad because, of course, he loved them both very much. That was his mom and his wife and he wanted nothing but for them to get along. Of
0: course, yeah.
1: Um, He talked about being excluded from family business meetings that Mary's family had at Christmas. Uh, Later in the marriage, he asked Mary to get counseling with him, but she wouldn't go. He said when they were first married, she joined the Dallas Junior League and spent a full 40 hours per week there. And when she would go and to these meetings, he would take care of the kids. So he said like he would get home at six and she would leave for her junior league meetings and she wouldn't get home until like 10 or 11. She would always have alcohol on her breath. Uh, later said he found out that the committee would have post committee meetings at a restaurant slash bar. He said she got drunk at her younger brother's wedding reception. Um, She was dancing with another man. She was ignoring him. She got really drunk and was flirting with other guys besides the one she was dancing with. She threw up all the way home. Kids are in the car. She's throwing up in his, in his truck and then threw up outside the house. And this was weird. I thought this was weird. He took pictures of her vomit so that he could show them to her the next day and she couldn't deny it. Isn't that weird?
0: That's very weird. I mean, obviously she's going to know she got wasted because she's going to wake
1: up feeling like shit
0: but why would he need to take pictures? Did he clean it up off the lawn afterwards? I mean, wouldn't it be there the next day? No, and
1: she got sick in his truck. So that's what she took a picture of. Oh, okay. And the kids are in the car. But still, why would you take pictures of it? To make I her mean, feel like she's She's, she's going to know when she wakes up, she's oh, going to yeah. feel like hammered dog shit. She's yeah. going to know she drank too much. Yeah. I don't think she needs a picture of her puke to remind her of what happened the night that's before. That's like
0: what you do to dogs, right? When they poop somewhere and you like, some people like rub their face in it. That's just... That's just mean. Dogs don't want to poop on the floor.
1: Take them out. They'll be fine. They'll be fine. One of her brothers and Tim tried an intervention with Mary because of her drinking. She refused to cooperate. Now, remind you, this is coming from Tim's mouth. Mm -hmm. But I mean, the fact that he said her brother tried to help him do an intervention tells you there's some validity to it. He also said that they stopped having sex in July of 1998. And he suspected that she was having an affair. When they would argue and there was anything unresolved, her punishment was to take the kids with her away for the weekend. She would go visit her family in their ranch in Kerrville. Um, He said on Father's Day of 1999, she was with the children on a family trip with her family. So he was home alone. He wanted to take the children that he was a big church person. he wanted to take the kids to church with him on Sundays but she would always come up with something else to do so he would go to church by himself. So his mother was diagnosed with brain cancer in April of 99 and of course he had to go take care of her. Mary didn't like it and he said the only reason she didn't like it because she wasn't able to go out at night because she would do that when they were together and leave the children with him. So it wasn't that she didn't like him mm-hmm. or his mom it was because she wanted to get out she wanted to go out and she couldn't she had the kids. And that Mary never visited his mom during that time. And when his mother died, Mary was at her family's ranch for a month. There was a great deal of tension, obviously, that developed between him. So on the day of the murder, he got up and went to church. When he came home from church, he said he walked up to the house. And on the front porch, he saw two tables, um, which belonged to his mother. And he was confused and thought, I don't know what's going on. So he took the tables back into the house. So Mary approaches him and of course she was pissed. She said, he said, she leaned forward and said, get out and get your mother's shit out. Mm. Then she turned the table over and he said he was beside himself. Seeing her turn the table over was like watching her push his mother down the stairs. And he said he exploded into a rage. He said he never felt such rage in his life. He said he grabbed Mary. They struggled. She slipped. She fell down and he fell on top of her. He said he remembered his daughter wanting to know what was going on. He remembered his son holding the scissors. He said he thought he knocked the scissors out of his son's hand and he remembered the blood. He said the next thing he remembers was the police coming, the paramedics asking him questions, and the police driving him to the police station. He said from having seen the evidence and the facts, he said, I knew what I did and I did it while two of my children watched. He said, I did not plan to kill her or hurt her that day. He said, if I wanted to kill her, there were guns and knives that I could have used. He couldn't remember what he told the police. He said when he got to the police station, he lay down on the cot, faced the wall, but he didn't remember if he went to sleep or not. He did admit to having uh, made the airplane reservations, saying he was running from the pain, and he really didn't know whether
0: or not he would have fled. Bullshit. I mean, hearing what happened, I I do understand. You see the, now? I, I do see the fit of rage. I mean, you know, I understand. I relate to him and to her in that situation, you know, because in my marriage, you know, he lost his mom and it caused tension between us because we, I get all of that. I understand that feeling. I get that. And I understand you, somebody messes with that stuff. I, I'm going to be, it's going to be bad. So I understand how he could, how it could be sudden passion. I get it. Yeah. Doesn't make it okay, obviously. No, just, but I get it.
1: Just walk away
0: hmm Walk away. Take your mom's tables and walk away.
1: Um, he said he, re- he regretted not having moved out that day when Mary asked him to. He denied being jealous of Mary because a lot of people said he was jealous of her, of her better relationship with their children or all of her accomplishments. He, and even the fact that she danced with the men at the wedding, that wasn't the reason. Um, he denied whining about not being with his children on Father's Day two years in a row. That's shitty. I don't care who you are. That's Mm -hmm, shitty.
0: That's shitty.
1: He admitted going through her daily planner every day. He recalled coming home from lunch one day because he saw that she was having lunch with Sam. I guess it said lunch with Sam on her planner. Only to discover that Sam was a five-year-old friend of his son. He admitted to being suspicious of her and even that he contemplated hiring a private investigator to see if he could catch her. And so he said, I was stunned when um, the Nathaniel guy brought the furniture and he was like, why would she be, why would my mother-in-law be sending furniture knowing I'm moving out today? So he said, he started, he felt like he was a piece of, piece of furniture that they were mm-hmm. discarding, you know? And he said that what he did to Mary related to her comment about his mother. He didn't remember, he denied jumping over the couch or tackling her. He said he didn't remember hitting her in the mouth and was oblivious to the fact that he was choking her. He doesn't remember any of that. Um, He said he didn't remember the screaming that was on the 911 tape. He didn't remember getting the lamp. He didn't remember wrapping the cord around her neck or even how long it took to strangle her. He just remembered the blood. Um, they asked him if he would have killed the kids if the police hadn't arrived when they did. And all he said was, I mean, there's certainly more emotions between my wife and me than there were my children. A lot more emotions that had accumulated over the years, emotions that had been stored up and unexpressed, but he didn't say no. Scary. Yeah. That to me is the most chilling part right there. He didn't say no. It never hurt them. He said it was an emotional thing. I obviously held in a lot of shit. I didn't get pissed he, at her. Well, he probably
0: didn't say no because he probably wasn't sure what he was capable of in that moment. I, which, I think that's I a mean, fair I statement. I to him to be honest, mm-hmm. but that's even scarier. And then puts even more point to the Ed King that gave him such a small bond.
1: Absolutely. You know,
0: because what if one of the, what if the oldest had smarted off and said, oh, well that, that was, you know, grandma's table or that was grandma's something. Yeah. And then bam, snap. And now he hurts the kids, you mm-hmm. know, because something snapped, which obviously had to do with his mom. And I get you know, losing a parent and, It sounds like a lot of shit
1: happened. Like there were a lot of things from that year. He was, like I said earlier, he was a ticking time bomb Mm -hmm. there. Things just kept happening to him. He wasn't doing anything about the emotions. He was just putting him in a drawer, pushing him away, putting him in a drawer, pushing him away, Mm -hmm. not dealing with it, not dealing with it, not Mm -hmm. going out and getting drunk with his friends Mm -hmm. or screaming in a pillow or whatever you got to do. He was just taking it and taking it and taking it and taking it. He did say at the end that he deserves whatever the jury decide. He said, it's up to them. And I accept whatever, whatever they decide, I accept it. So remember how I said there was uh, one juror that was wanting to use this sudden passion and, and they were deadlocked mm-hmm. after the trial, this juror comes forward and says, so what we had to do to get that juror to like, see it our way was that they told him, think about this. How long do you think it would have taken him to kill his wife? He knocked her down. He strangled her. Think about how long it takes to strangle somebody. Like everything that goes with that. Because of how long it, they imagined that it would take, there's no way it could have been a crime of passion. Because those evidently those end really quickly. Like you just get in, get out. It's not something that's drug out. And it seems like this one would have been drug out because he used the lamp, the cord, the scissors. Like, And it seemed to take a long time. And then they said the 911 tape that was made by the daughter, of course, the jury had to hear that. And they had to look at the crime scene photos, which I can't imagine. They said um, the tape showed that the crime lasted seven minutes.
0: Oh, my. Can you imagine? That is a
1: long ass time.
0: Yeah. Seven minutes. Seven minutes is like two songs. Mm hmm. Two regular songs. Like, think about when you're driving in your car mm-hmm. and you listen to two whole It could songs. be
1: three because some of them are a little shorter. Some yeah. of them are only two minutes. That's or a
0: long time. Seven minutes is a really long-ass time when you're... To be tortured mm-hmm. and screaming and bleeding and fighting. Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, and then they said looking at the crime scene photos, her neck was gone. Like, it was gone. Gone? Yeah, like, it was just... It ceased to exist. I mean, she was almost decapitated. So, the 60-year sentence was a compromise... Um, because most of the jurors wanted life sentence which is 99 and the others wanted the sudden passion which would only have been 20. So they compromised at 60 it's somewhere in between mm-hmm. the 20 and the 99. So after the the sentence was read, Richard's only surviving member of his family, I guess there's only one person, and his attorney left their courtroom really quickly. And Mary's older brother, Ray, said that the family was pleased with the sentence and that the relatives are ready to move on with their lives. He said that when his family confronted Richardson, that they saw no evidence that he was remorseful. They said that when um, Mary's mom was reading what she said to him, that his face didn't change at all. He saw the only time they saw him tearful was when they started talking about his mom and her cancer and when she passed away. And the other time he showed a little bit of emotion is when the girl, the ticket agent got Mm -hmm. on the stand and he, he seemed pissed, but those are the only when they're talking about everything else, no remorse Mm -hmm. about what his kids saw or any of that. Not no remorse at all. Um, They also filed a lawsuit against Richardson to terminate his parental rights um, and they said that the children will continue to live with their maternal grandparents in Kerrville, which we kind of figured that was going to
0: happen. Well, and that's good because that they feel safe and mm-hmm. they know them, mm-hmm. and it's a different town, right? Yep. So they can grow up maybe not knowing what happened to them Or maybe, mom. yeah. You know? I mean,
1: I'm sure they'll know. They're probably well, not. I'm saying like
0: the people, the oh, kids they go to school with right. and good stuff, point. like yeah. it's kind of a new starting over for them. Right, right? fair enough. Because can well, you like, like, knew, imagine like everybody in the neighborhood, everybody there would always know them as...
1: You know it. Mary's relatives said that they wanted to surround the children with loving support. So July 2000, which is just a couple of months after the sentencing and the verdict and all that, Richardson uh, is claiming that he deserves a new trial because of juror misconduct. He says, based on a juror's claim that the parole laws were considered when they settled, uh, when they were doing his sentencing. Well, what is that? So what the parole laws were considered? But I don't really understand. It doesn't make any sense. So Judge Wade is like, no, I'm denying this. Like, he's the one that raised the the mm-hmm. bond. So he's like, I'm not doing, I'm not dealing with your bullshit. He said, it's basically just a last ditch effort to avoid prison for what he did to his wife. Uh, and Mary's brother said, and I quote, it's time for Richardson to go meet some new friends in the penitentiary. Pound in me the in the ass. Penitentiary. and the jail. In the pen. <laughs> in the, what? Um, in the pen. No, in the who's cows. In the who's <laughs> cows. After what he did to marrying those kids, I'm sure the prison population is anticipating his arrival. He got a fair trial. It's time for him to load up and go to Huntsville. With open cheeks,
0: they're ready for him. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> open arms, open mouths, open cheeks, they're all okay. ready for him. I
1: have one more one more blurb about this this guy. May yes. of t- May of twenty thirteen. What? They have to add five more years to his sentence and he pled guilty to trying to hire someone To burn down the house, its former brothers-in-law, Raymond and Robert Williams, while the family slept. He gave an inmate their addresses, offered them money for somebody to go at night and set the house on fire. Set both of their houses on fire. Hmm, Judge King, he's not a flight risk. He would not hurt the children. He would not hurt any of Mary's family. They don't need to be afraid of him. He can get out. He can pay me three grand and get out.
0: It was just a sudden crime of passion. Yeah. I mean, it really wasn't... I'm not
1: upset with her family. I Whatever I, the jury gives me, I
0: take. I accept. A, it was just what she said about my mom. That's it. And this is, what, 14 years after the murders happened and you still mad? And there's a lot of... time. He Like, he keeps
1: trying to, like... Get out of jail. Get out of jail. But and I didn't want to write all those down because it doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, he's just going to keep trying. But he really did try to hire someone that was an inmate in prison with him. The guy that was in there was his name is Rodney Tanner. Um, he was in there for a drug possession conviction. But after Richardson asked him to do that, he was like, "Man, that's kind of twisted. I'm going to have to tell somebody. So he, he ratted him out. So
0: was he going to just pay him?
1: Yeah, he was going to pay. Well, he, I don't know that he wanted Tanner to do it, the Rodney Tanner guy, but he was asking him, is there somebody you know out that can and do this?
0: He, and does he think he has money to do that? He hasn't worked in 14 years. Yeah, And where is he going to get the money to pay him? Like, right. I'm sure his I mean, money- with any money that he has has gone to try and appeal, appeal, appeal all the appellate judges and all the, all the appellate courts, he's going to be paying for that. And I... What family does he have, right? Her family ain't going to help him do shit. And it
1: didn't sound like he had very many surviving family members either. And so. at this
0: point, his kids are adults.
1: Yes. Actually, I did I did some math. Let me go back to the top here. Mary Beth would be 29 now. Uh, Patrick would be 27. And John Robert would be 26. So they're in their 20s right now.
0: And it's sad because they're like orphans. They lost both their parents that day. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. They had to grow up without either one of their parents. Yep.
1: Okay, and the weird thing is that I found I found one picture of him in the newspaper, and it's the same picture that in every other article. If there's a picture of him, it's the same picture. So I only have one picture of him. I couldn't find any pictures of Mary or their children. There's There's like a court document, which is where I got most of the testimony stuff because the newspapers were like not really saying a whole lot. So you mm-hmm. can tell that the family did a pretty good job of trying to scrub the internet. Although this happened in 1999. So it's not like it was out there to begin with Mm -hmm. and they had to get rid of it, but like, I can't find anything. So I'm sure they're just trying to protect the kids and keep, keep people from hounding them or, or asking questions. And obviously they're probably having to see counselors probably still to this day, you know, maybe not, hopefully they're well adjusted and have worked through their trauma mm-hmm. and aren't scared to go to sleep at night and and all of that. So and I don't know where he is. I don't know what's going on. The Texas inmate search page is down, so I'm assuming he's in Huntsville. He probably is. I just don't know what unit or anything like that. So he'll he'll die in jail.
0: That's where he belongs.
1: So that's story of Mary Williams Richardson.
0: Very in the house
1: sad. that we went live on. That's what happened in that house.
0: That's so sad.
1: So rest in peace, Mary Williams Richardson, and I. I pray your kids are okay now. Mm-hmm. That they're that they're okay. Yeah, and that piece of shit's gonna rot in jail. Mm-hmm. So what do you think? It's a it's a good story. It's just so somber. It, it is. It is. And I mean, I at first I was like, how could he do it? And I'm not saying that the way she treated him gave him permission to do that. I just think he should have handled his emotions in a different way and maybe it wouldn't have happened
0: agreed you know Mm -hmm. he
1: just let her run over him and and again this was his side she wasn't able to speak for herself Mm -hmm. and none of her family tried to deny anything so it must be true most of it or some of it or some form of truth right yeah well I I mean everything
0: comes from some form of truth but I mean it takes two to make it work takes two to make it fail absolutely and so if they both kind of felt like it was dwindling away maybe he had a lot of animosity because she's the one that finally pulled the trigger and her family had money and he didn't and another thing
1: i did a public accountant he didn't really make a whole lot of money i think he only made like 60 grand Mm -hmm. back then which living in that neighborhood they probably i mean he probably was the joke which sucks Mm -hmm. and her family came from money so she really didn't even have to worry about stuff and sounds like he was like their goat Anyway, I feel bad.
0: Well, and, and it, I agree in the sense of the way the crime happened. It kind of makes sense for crime of passion because it was fueled up anger and animosity. And if he didn't spend a lot of time with his kids, maybe it wasn't a big deal for him to do that in front of them because he didn't have that bond and attachment yeah, with them. that's you a know? good point. That she did, obviously, as the mother and her spending all the time. But he was like, well, they don't really care about me anyway, so mm-hmm. who cares if I do it in front of them? Again, with the crime of passion, it kind of makes sense. But then like you said, like the ways, I mean, he went through multiple ways to make sure that his goal was done. Like you would think after attempting one, like strangulation with his hands or even with the lamp and realizing it wasn't working, he'd be like, holy shit, what am I what doing? What am I doing? Am I kids screaming? Like- I'm like run away. Or, but the fact that he just went from he one to the next to the going. next, like his goal was to kill her. That mm-hmm. was his goal. I mean, thank God he didn't go get a gun. Because not so much, I mean, in a way, I wish it would have ended for her faster and her not be tortured. Because, you know, she but the suffered same, a lot. But at the same time, who knows what would have happened in the struggle? What if he shot one of his children mm-hmm. in the struggle? So, kind of a blessing in disguise, but... It's really sad because those three kids lost their innocence that day, just like their grandmother mm-hmm. said, you know, mm-hmm. you took their innocence.
1: You took the one thing that every child needs more than anything. I'm not saying dads aren't important. I mean, each parent plays an important role in your life.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You've got, you need your mom. Mm-hmm. A little girl needs her mom mm-hmm. and even little boys do too, but a little girl needs her mom.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely. It sucked. It was, it's a depressing story, but like, that's what happens when yeah. we, we pick, when, yeah. we, when you, when you Google murder house in Dallas, Be careful because
0: (laughs) you never know know what
1: you're going to (laughs) find. Never know what you're going to get. All right. So is it a wrap? It's a wrap. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening and sharing. And um,
0: And if there's any, um, we haven't heard from anyone in a while as far as any stories you want. Um, I haven't had any requests for stickers. Um, So we have stickers if anybody wants them. Um, Otherwise, until next time. Bye, y'all. Bye, y'all.